Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people who are struggling with the challenges of herpes stigma to support resources such as community support groups and mental health resources. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit, but most active on Instagram at H on my chest. And if you've been a long time listener and you haven't yet, please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps with not only exposure of getting these stories and experiences out there, but also helps with uh, being able to bring in people to the show who want to add something to it. Um, I am on Venmo and Cash App at Courtney Brame. If you want to make donations, that's Courtney Brame, all one word. PayPal is just paypal.com slash SPFPP and Patreon slash SPFPP as well. And that's just an acronym for something positive for positive people. I want to welcome anyone who's taken a chance to listen to this podcast today to this series. This series of episodes are going to revolve around the experience of someone who is either negative for, uh, has not experienced any physical symptoms of, or is unaware of their herpes status. And we're talking about dating people who have herpes. So this is the first installment of, depending on how many podcast episode guests I can get to come forward and share their experiences. Um, And I'm looking forward to this. Like I put a call out on my social media pages for people who have dated, people who have herpes um, and who are either negative or unaware of their status or haven't had any symptoms that are known of to date, uh, to be able to offer this as like a resource for if you're someone who is wanting to disclose or you just disclosed your status to a partner, shared your status with a partner, I'm trying to get away from using disclosure. Uh, this would be an episode series that you can share with that potential partner so that they can hear from someone who has dated someone who lives with herpes because they may not be aware of that even being a possibility. It might be outside of their ranges of perspective. So I'm hoping that this will serve as a very useful uh, resource and tool. While it's not rooted in science, it's rooted in the experiences of the people who are impacted by or navigating stigma directly. So I am going to stop talking so much and I am going to start incorporating our guest into the conversation, Laura. Laura, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling really good. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank you. Um, I want to first thank you for responding to my call in from people who've dated people with herpes. And your enthusiasm about this was really uh, magnetic. And I am... I'm not even sure where to start. Like, (laughs) my first question is, uh, what made you agree to this interview? Let's start there. Oh, gosh. Um, There's a few reasons. Um, You know, I I always love to share my story um, and to, like, share it in a way that could be helpful to other people could, like, make other people feel... um, more connected, you know, that, um, is really exciting to me. And I just generally feel like I have benefited so much from, um, 
you know, sex positivity from kind of having a more liberated lens around um, body, dating, sex, really all aspects of my life. And like, I just, I feel so grateful for the people who have taught me about that, the lessons that I have gained from that. So if I can kind of help connect other people or, um, you know, inspire other people to like maybe do some reflection and um, that's so cool. I'm excited about that. All right. Thank you. So how'd you find out about this opportunity? We can go there next. Um, Facebook. I follow you on Facebook. Oh, shit. I didn't even (laughs) I didn't realize that you followed me. Uh, Did I know we didn't date, but like, have you um, were you connected to any of the herpes support groups at all? Like just out of curiosity, like how'd you end up friends with me or following me on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. How did we connect? Um, it was, I also am, I don't know if I'm friends or if I follow, um, Eveline Decker. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So I, um, several years ago, I went to, um, like a retreat that had a big sex positive focus. Um, and she was speaking there, and I think she was maybe presenting her stars talk or was part of some kind of consent. Um, focus workshops and so I saw her there and appreciated her and have kind of been you know sort of connected to maybe some communities that Evelyn is connected maybe you're um, um, I don't know if you want to sh- tell people more about her work oh yeah we, we are very familiar with Dr. Evelyn Dacker's work uh, episode 99 integrative disclosure it incorporates Evelyn's stars talk into how to share your status with a potential partner. Um, and it also includes not just STI status, but also what turns you on, uh, the avoids, potential turnoffs, uh, relationship intention, and then uh, safety, like emotional safety, physical safety, and what your needs are. So if you want to check that out, that's episode 99. I think we might need to bring her back on here uh, and reintroduce it in the way that it's evolving because it, it is. And I'm fortunate to be able to be a part of that process because uh, she's on my board. Woo-woo. Shout out to my board members. All right. Uh, so let's start with your first ex- uh your first exposure to herpes like what was some of the earliest information that you had about herpes hmm. interesting um yeah you know i mean i guess i didn't really think of it as, as in this way at the time but like you know growing up my best friend always got cold sores and i had a partner for a long time who also got cold sores um and it was, you know, that just, like, wasn't really something I worried about. I, you know, I shared, you know, not when they had a cold sore, but, like, you know, I, I wouldn't think twice about sharing a beverage with my friend or my former partner at the time. Um, so in that way, it was maybe, like, a little bit normalized um, for me. Um, and then, I guess, you know, fast forwarding, um, you know, I think I was aware, like, of, that herpes was a thing you didn't want to get. I remember an experience in high school of maybe I was in college, but someone who I like knew from high school a little bit, like a friend told me a story that um, someone had given her herpes and it was like very tragic. It was like, uh, like that, that's so scary and terrible that that happened. And um, so I think I had that like sort of view of it at that time. Um, 
but I think through some of the work that I was doing, you know, maybe like five-ish years ago now, kind of like um, trying to like feel less shame and more freedom around my own sexual health and sexual choices, I got, um, I learned about, um, I, you know, I went to some like consent workshops and stuff like that, and I learned about like a different frame for understanding um STDs, you know, this like frame that's like, these are organisms that live in our body. There's many organisms that live in our body and there is important information for you to know about that. And that is true of many experiences, including herpes, but not limited to, um, to that. And I think also learning too about like the way that like the pharmaceutical, you know, industry, like you know, wants to make us afraid, wants to make us fearful for, to, you know, drive profits and how that is true in so many, you know, places in our, in our lives. So that's when I kind of started to learn about herpes in like a different context, um, a more accurate context, maybe like five years ago. Okay. Now, when your friend told you that they had herpes or that they was it that this friend from high school that you knew in high school but was in college with did they tell you someone gave them genital herpes i never spoke with them directly right it was my other friend oh. like it was you know a friend we had in common and being kind of like like you know this our our friend had this bad experience where this like shitty dude like gave her this Okay. Okay. Illness. All right. Now, in between that experience and then dating, like, had you had conversations with partners about STI status, getting tested, or any of those types of dialogue uh, before the experience where you had a partner who informed you about their herpes status? Um. Not really. Um, no, I was, um, I was in a basically monogamous relationship for a long time. That was with the partner who has a cold source. Um, and so it just like, wasn't part of my life. Um, but I started that relationship ended and I started dating like non-monogamously two years ago. Um, and so I started really like skilling up and, you know, having those conversations, um, yeah. Okay. Now, having ended that relationship and then going into dating non-monogamously, um, there are now conversations that need to be had. And you said that you were in different consent workshops, retreat, retreats and things like that. Um, so it sounds like you were given a lot more education around sexual discussion period and navigating negotiations and communicating about relationship styles. And so after how much of this, I guess I'm curious to know if you had um, anyone while dating non-monogamously tell you, oh, I had an STI before, or uh, was this even, was this even a conversation had? Yeah. So I think you're right. Like, I think I feel, I feel really lucky because I kind of, um, came to like when this sort of became relevant, I was already, I had already been, um, I think taught really well and given a lot of support around, um, kind of what, um, 
you know, disrupting stigma and coming from a values aligned place. So I kind of, I had that foundation in place. I had that good learning. And then, um, you know, I got on a dating website and, um, like the first person who like was a good fit for me, who seemed like super cool. Um, we started, I'm trying to think, I think we went on a, a date and, um, I really liked him and, um, you know, it wasn't like maybe we like kissed or whatever. There was no sexual contact. And then he, um, later on disclosed to me, shared with me via text, um, about his, um, positive, um, generals, you know, HSV status. Um, and so he, you know, he, um, told me that over text and he, um, you know, shared with me that he had that, that he very rarely has outbreaks, that he takes a daily antiviral to control that, and um, maybe some more information about that. Okay. How'd you receive that text message? What were you doing? What was happening in your brain when you saw that text message? What was your response? Mm. <sighs> yeah, I think I took it in a pretty chill way because, again, and I kind of think like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I had, yeah, I had this idea that um, that really wasn't that big of a deal or that much of a barrier, like, already. And, um, yeah, so, I, you know, I think I, you know, thought about it, but it just, like, didn't really, um, I, like, received that information in, like, a pretty chill way. Things became a little bit more complicated later. Um, but... You know, I was like, cool, thank you for telling me. Yeah, I'm, like, aware that there's a lot of stigma that's, like, messed up. And I'm, you know, excited to talk with you more about that and see, like, what makes sense for us. Something along those lines. Okay. So, after that, um, you said that you were dating non-monogamously. So, were you seeing other people around the time of you making the decision to move forward with this person who has informed you that they have genital herpes? Um... Not really. I mean, I think I was dating other people a little bit, um, but it was just like, like he and I, so, you know, this was my, we dated for um, like almost, you know, two years during a lot of the pandemic. Um, and we just like really hit it off. So like I was kind of dating people at the margins, but you know, he like, we became partners and like, that was like a pretty um, serious relationship. And I don't think that at also at that time, I guess. So I was like, when I did learn that, I, um, I was unsure of like what it meant for me regarding uh, uh, dating other people. And I'm so glad we're doing this podcast now because I really was looking for like, what do people who have partners who are positive for HSV, um, do with their other partners and what is my responsibility to disclose or to share that information? Um, and I like did, uh, some different things to try to answer that question, but I actually, for, I like basically at that time when I first started, I was like, if no one is asking me, it's not my responsibility to share that. And I actually, I do that differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my thinking at the time. All right. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, speak with a bunch of different people about this and it typically 
is more of a concern for people who are primary partners. So let's say, um, or poly polyamorous. So you have two partners, one has genital herpes and the other person hasn't shown symptoms, hasn't tested positive, um, or has tested negative. And they're both in this relationship and the negative partner has other partners. Um, when it's more, and this is in my experience and conversations that I've had, whenever it's more consistent, it's like, there has to be sort of this okay from, uh, it has to be an okay from the partner who has herpes to disclose on their behalf because you now have to say, all right, well, I'm seeing someone who does have herpes. And that's if you choose to go that route. Like there are a number of ways that people navigate this. If you're in a relationship and there is no one else who has herpes, but you want to introduce someone into your uh, relationship structure who does have herpes, now you have to sort of get approval from your existing partners because that is a risk, right, of potentially exposing them. So there's also that route that you can go. Um, but I, I'm finding that in more non-monogamous relationship structures that this kind of conversation is just one to be had. There are so many different responses, but everyone appears to be okay with communicating and everyone's like risk aware at, at baseline. Not to say that everyone's okay with it or everyone's going to be like, oh no, how dare you? Uh, I don't want to get herpes. Like I'm dodging this as long as I can. There's more of an understanding, education, knowledge, and just overall acceptance of, all right, well, this is just something that comes with it. I'm glad that they told me rather than, you know, us getting it and finding out. Um, Because this is something that can disrupt trust in a relationship if, you know, you're with someone and then all of a sudden you don't know that, like, you you think that a person may have cheated and gotten herpes or that they may have stepped outside of the boundaries of the relationship. So there is just so much to be said for the communication that now has to take place. There's not a right or wrong way of navigating this. Uh, it's just you either communicate about it or you're not communicating about it. And I think that that's probably the best way to articulate it. Like, I can't imagine before I had herpes specifically asking people, hey, have you been tested for STIs and herpes? Or have you had sex with anyone who has herpes? Because if we get into that much detail, how many people are we going to really be saying no to because we're afraid of being exposed to herpes? Because everyone, if you statistically speaking, had sex with six different people who've had sex with six different people who've had sex with six different people, everyone at some point was exposed to herpes. So if I knowingly had sex with someone who had herpes prior to my diagnosis and a partner asked me that and I was like, well, yeah. And they were like, ah, no, thanks. I'm not going to do this. Then I don't think that person would ever get laid unless they're like hunting for first timers or something like that. Right. But it is, I think that there's, it's tricky, right? So I kind of have that opinion and I like, you know, I, um, I like read some Dan Savage that was kind of suggesting that like you should just assume that everybody that you're sleeping with has slept with somebody who has herpes. And so I was kind of like, okay, you know what? That's like, that's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not, I don't feel that I have that personal responsibility to share about someone else's health status. 
However, um, I ended up getting into a relationship with somebody else. Um, this person also gets cold sores and takes um, antivirals for that. Um, but I like didn't share him, didn't share that information with him, kind of operating under that idea. Um, but then, uh, I don't know, there was some stuff that happened where I did choose to share with him that my partner does. And I think the difference is, is like, there's a difference between saying like, yeah, I slept with somebody one time a month ago and I don't know their status versus saying I am having sex with somebody twice a week. Um, you know, who is positive, right? That's like, that's a different risk calculation. And so I did end up telling this to my, not my partner who has, um, genital herpes, um, to my other partner. And he, um, he was upset. He took that very well, but he was um, like, you know, kind of hurt and angry that I did not share with him um, that that my other partner did. And I think his what he told me about that was that, like, you know, he he just feels that that is information that he like like I could have suspected that he would want to know that information, right? And so, like, I don't need his approval to do anything, but that he felt that he deserved to be informed about the status of my other partner what you just shared is so interesting because you could have slept with someone a month ago and not known their status but because you're sleeping with someone who's aware of their status and you're knowingly taking whatever precautions that you two have agreed to now uh feel free to hit me with the throat chop sign but are you able to share whether or not you and your partner who had herpes used barriers we did not. Uh, we did for like a while at the beginning, but um, after like a few months into our relationship, like we didn't use condoms or another kind of barrier. Okay, thank you for so sharing took, that. Like he took uh, the antiviral, and you know, if he ever had a symptom, which you know, one time we did, um, we refrained from having sex. But um, but no, we did not use condoms or barriers. Okay, thank you. Uh, I guess like well, with this new partner, it's. I'm I'm curious to know like what his perspective might have been because it's just like you said you could have had sex with someone who didn't know their status a month ago and now you're having sex with someone who's aware of their status and you're taking the precautions and also this is someone who has herpes already he just gets it orally so the the response here like the differentiation between oh I get cold sores versus oh someone blew me or went down on me and gave me genital herpes because they have cold sores it's like this whole oh uh, no no i'd never do that or i'm much better than that type of person it's no different except for the location well i think what is the difference that i think is important you know is if i speak with someone one time you know i'm in the practice of getting regular you know every three months, you know, STD checks. Um, and if I usually, if I'm, you know, I'm starting, if I'm beginning a sexual relationship with somebody new, I will get tested and ask them to do the same. Um, but you know, having the risk of exposure to like a single sexual encounter versus again, like having sex with somebody twice a week, you know, for a year, um, I think is like a different level of risk. Let me ask you this. Do you regularly get tested for herpes as well, knowing that you're sexually active with someone who has herpes? I have learned to ask. Yeah, 
Okay. How often do you get the test done? And is it a blood draw that they do for you? Yep. Um, it is a blood draw. And I mean, I've, you know, this has been, I think that I have gotten tested for herpes three times in the past year. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. Did you, were you met with any resistance? Like, how are you able to get tested so frequently for herpes? Um, a lot of people I talk to, their doctors don't want to test because of the emotional impact or inaccuracy of tests or the expensive uh, cost of it. And they, what's common is that there's resistance to testing people for herpes. So how are you able to get three tests in a year? Because I learned how to advocate for myself. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Evelyn, <laughs> and to work like that you and folks like you are doing. But, um, you know, I think when I, like, told my doctor that I have a partner who is positive, they were like, I mean, what, what I think um, Dr. Evelyn told me to say was just that, like, you know, I sleep with multiple people. And, you know, like that, I think CDC recommends that if, like, you know, that testing is appropriate for people who have more than one partner. Um, so to like let them know that and I think they can justify the, the expense of that that way and also then telling them that you know I have this uh, specific partner who has a specific health status and um, yep I I didn't really I didn't get much back when I shared that. Oh, okay. Thank you for that formula. Shout out to Dr. Dacker killing the game. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because people who have herpes will share that with um, providers like, well, I would like to know what type it is, or I'm about to be intimate with someone who doesn't have it and, or that they might have been exposed to it. And doctors will say something like just wear condoms or just don't have sex during an outbreak. So it's interesting. Again, just this experience from the other side now is phenomenal because I think that you're going into it, knowing what to say, how to say it, who to say it to, and having had the education that you've had, like you're a much more well-equipped person. Like you might be the kind of person that doctors hate or are afraid of because you know your shit. Whereas someone who's just wanting to know what their status is because they're, uh, they've slept with someone with herpes is kind of being dismissed. And then, like, I don't know that people really know what to do beyond a doctor being like, oh, no, it's okay. It's kind of like sales. Yeah, it's for sure. And it wasn't my experience with my normal doctor or, like, nurse practitioner or whatever. It, like, wasn't very good. And, like, she made some comment about, like, when I was got testing again, she was like, okay, yeah, we'll see if you've been converted yet. Damn. I think that's how she said that. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of funny, but <laughs> is that appropriate? <laughs> I think it like felt, yeah, it felt judgmental, not, not like it felt judgmental. Uh, and I think, and I did ask her about you know my choices not have condoms, and you know it's like we had some reasons for not. I'm not against condoms or barriers, but there were some some challenges there that made it made it desirable to not use them. Um, and you know, she said that. You know, that was risky, but she wasn't super pushy about it. But I I really struggled to understand really, like, what is the risk without condoms? And that is actually why I, like, it was also during, the, like, the pandemic, and it was, like, hard to get an in-person visit and, you know, there's stuff like that. So I, um, like, Dr. Decker, like, you can book her for, you know, like, a telehealth session, basically. And so I was just like, I need, and I, like, 
I really wanted to get advice from someone who was sex positive, who has the values that I have, and who, um, but could help me understand, like, because I was reading these statistics about, like, percentages, and, but they're all, you know, the people in those studies are not in my exact situation, and what I think I, so I really asked Dr. Dacker, like, I wanted to understand that thing about risk over time. It's like, okay, this is the risk of a one-time encounter, but what if I'm in a relationship for one year, two years, five years? Like, what is the likelihood of, like, does the likelihood go up? And, I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. (laughs) But also, you know, I made the choice at that time that that was a risk that I was, like, that I felt okay about. Uh, just chiming in from what I've learned is that the longer a person has had herpes, um, and without symptoms, let's say that, then the longer, or I'm sorry, the more challenging it is for them to pass on the virus and the less likely they are to have outbreaks or their frequency of outbreaks decreases over time. So there's two parts to that. I would assume that over time from that perspective, yeah, the risk decreases, right? But if over time you get more and more comfortable and you start just, you know, having spontaneous, unprotected sex, maybe uh, when someone's a little bit under the weather and immune systems are down a little bit, um, like you said, pandemic, we're not socializing and getting germs and bacteria and viruses from other people building our immune systems. And if we do, it's more than likely we're exposed to COVID. And now, like, our immune function is combating that. And now we have an opportunity for herpes to be less resistant in its attempt to reproduce. So speaking from that standpoint, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse practitioner. This is just coming from like what makes sense because so much of the information that's out there is inconsistent and it's not applicable to uh, your situation and like speaking to uh, discordant couples, I would really like to see more of that kind of representation and not just in heterosexual relationships, but um, speaking to same sex relationships or what about even with group sex scenarios, uh, the, the data that's out there. We see male to female or penis to vagina. Um, but I think something to take into consideration is what kind of contact is being had? Is there direct skin to skin contact or is there barriered contact? And how does that reduce the transmission rate? Uh, I'm hoping to be able to do some study alongside a university of some sort. Like I have access to the people who would be willing to participate. It's just a matter of getting the resources and the funding to back it up. Um, I've done surveys. I've done yeah, surveys, because that's all I can do. I've done polls and I have information and people who are willing to put themselves in a place to get this information. But it's just challenging for me to find someone who is willing to fund it and do it. So the the intention to acquire this information is out there. I just don't think that there's enough of like a social push behind us in order to make this happen. And again, part of that is just due to stigma. Like how many people who are okay, like um, 
in their status with their diagnosis, how many people are okay to the point where they don't need a cure or a vaccine or anything to advocate for because they've learned to manage it. So they don't have any reason to be in this space. They don't have any reason to share their stories. They don't have any reasons to advocate or be like, I have herpes and I need something. And they're not in these communities to know that there are so many other people who are navigating this challenge. So yeah. speaking of yeah, it's like I'm so I hope I'm so appreciative of your efforts, right? Because we, from my perspective, you know, when people like really understanding those, you know, like what are the different the benefits, the consequences, the risks, you know, all of that information, like, is so helpful to making a like an informed choice and right, and it's like things are less scary. Like stigma is reduced, right? When I we understand like what's what's really likely or possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to take it back a little bit to your choice to move forward with the person who disclosed their positive status to you. So for you, it wasn't a big deal. You mentioned that. Uh, you didn't use these words, but something along the lines of your compatibility being there, right? So you like this person, basically. Um, what are some of the judgments or what's your approval process for a person that you're going to move forward with sexually? Herpes aside, what, uh, what, what are some of the things that you look for in a partner prior to having sex with them or moving forward in a relationship? Thank you for that. Uh, and navigating the relationship, is has there been a fear of you getting it? Has there been any sort of like thoughts in the back of your mind that keep you from being present when you're sexually active or when you have been sexually active with this person? Um, yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one is that I like you know, I was dating multiple people, having sex with multiple people after like that, not being my life for a long time. And I started to get, um, some other like, you know, sexual health things like, um, yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis. vaginosis. So I started having like irritation and discomfort that was kind of off and on. Um, and so that made me like, paranoid I guess you know and I was like okay I think this is just a yeast infection but like what if what if you know like is that could this be and um so that sometimes was like um there for me Mm -hmm. and I think the other thing that um came up for me like um 
so like we started like you know we were not using condoms for a time and then I had that experience with my other partner and I want to say to my other partner's credit like you know they were um distressed that I did not share with them but they didn't break up with me over that we just continued you know we had sex we used condoms and um that you know that was okay but I think I started to think like maybe I do want to use condoms with my partner who has HSV. Like maybe that would, or I would at least like to feel like I have the option to do that. Um, and so I broached that with him, with my partner who has HSV. And I think that was a, a hard conversation. I think that he expressed like, just like feeling hurt or like maybe a little bit devalued that I might like want to use barriers together, but we communicated through that. And, you know, and he like was like, okay, if that's what you want, if that's what you need, then I'm like willing, you know, to, to do that. Okay. And so I feel like that resolved in like a pretty good way. Okay. Uh, I have two questions and they're going to, each one's going to take us in a different direction. My first one is what's the difference between having sex with someone who has not shared a positive HSV diagnosis with you versus someone who has not? Yeah, so let me rephrase that. So you have a partner who's been like, hey, I have herpes, here's the deal, here's what we need to do. And then I'm curious to know if there's a difference between having sex with that person, um, given the situation of them having herpes, versus anyone else, as far as you know, who doesn't, and I use air quotes when I say doesn't, have herpes yes. or they just haven't disclosed. Like, are you in your head about, oh, it's possible that they have something and I might get something? Like, is there any sort of freedom that comes with seeing someone who doesn't or who hasn't disclosed a positive status to you versus who has or what? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, I think I've, I, I haven't been 100% perfect, but for the, the vast majority of times that I am before I have sex with somebody, you know, I'm asking them questions about their recent test and then they'll, you know, I've had this experience where they're like, Oh yeah, I'm like clean. And you know, might talk about maybe using different words for that. And also like, did you get tested for herpes? Because that's not part of the normal panel. And most people have been like, Oh no, I didn't know that. Um, and yeah, I guess I haven't like, um, if someone hasn't like had any symptoms, I haven't sort of like asked that they go back and figure that out. Um, that feels, it feels safe enough to me. Um, if someone hasn't had symptoms, but I think I haven't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I think like with my partner, like when communication is good, when trust is there, like I, it's like not really on my mind, um, about that. No, I'm so happy you said that because I was like, damn, I'm going to have to ask this question the vulgar way, which was like, do you not let them stick it all the way in or like those kinds of things is what I meant. Like, so there's no difference. There's no difference in how you have sex with your partner who, you know, is aware of their herpes status versus anyone else. Like there aren't any restrictions of, oh, no, 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 don't you can't you can't. Like, that part of the penis isn't covered, so you can't let that touch me. Ah, mm, uh, gosh, thanks for <laughs> Um No, that never crossed my mind once. And I think, you know, I, I, 
you know, he told me, he was like, I'm really like paying attention for if I'm having those, those prodromal symptoms. And, you know, and that's, um, I really let him be responsible for that. We had like a super vital, creative, pleasurable, sexual connection and relationship that I'm just like so grateful I got to have. I'm so grateful that stigma didn't get in the way of like um, what we got to share together. And That's yeah, good. Just really to not cross um, my mind to like be um, nervous during sex. Okay, thank you. Um, and I always tell people, you know, dating with herpes is just like dating. You still deal with the compatibilities and incompatibilities of all types of life factors, such as where you want to live or if you want to travel, if you want children, marriage, politics, uh, spirituality, religion, uh, income levels. There are so many things to take into consideration. And it sounds like to me that more of the compatibilities outside of sexuality or sexual health status had more weight than him being like, yeah, I have herpes. So like you, let me rephrase that. I I don't know how I butchered that. I say it so often, but the quality of your compatibilities outside of the ability to merge genitals risk-free, that had more weight to it than your freedom of being able to have sex without quote consequences yeah and you know uh sex is risky business you know it's just uh there's there's only safer choices um and so i think yeah our compatibility outside of that but also our compatibility within that in the way that he communicated it to me like the upfront straightforward you know self-responsible self-aware like you know that to me was like that's a sort that's a place where I felt really joined and well met. Like, yeah, like yeah. we both have these same values that we are living out around um around yeah, sex positivity and, and informed consent and that good stuff. Had he disclosed to you without that confidence and if he didn't make you feel the way that he made you feel and give you that space to have your own feelings, do you feel like your reaction could have been different? Um yeah, you know what? Probably. I think that I was, yeah, like lucky in that, um, you know, he has um, both experience with non-monogamy as well as like with this kind of conversation. And so, you know, I was kind of new to that and I saw him being really upfront in how he communicated about sex and about his partnerships and relationships. And so I think that did like make me feel safe and it also made it feel like really normal. Yeah. That emotional safety is so overlooked by people. I think that, you know, we look for physical safety as in, you know, getting consent and um, making sure that you can be in physical space with someone. But the emotional vulnerability that comes with sharing something like, hey, I have this stigmatized condition and it could potentially impact you. But I'm telling you this because I want to get closer to you. For that invitation to welcome you in closer versus making you run away, because like that is a reality. Some people just don't want herpes, which is perfectly fine. I got the shit and I don't want it. And then you have, you know, the possibility of like, it's always possible that you could get it. And I'm curious to know, are you prepared for that? Or do you feel like um, you're equipped with the tools to navigate that? Are you confident in possibly 
getting herpes or testing positive or having that first symptom? Do you feel like you are equipped with the tools you need to navigate it? I am not confident, to be honest. And I think when I was having other um, sexual health like issues and I like, you know, was waiting on those results and being like, what if that's, what if I'm having these issues because I, you know, that, because I like got converted, like the doctor said to me, um, I, I, it really made me like, be like, okay, like what, how much am I ready to live out these values? Like what if, will I feel incredibly regretful if that is the case? And will I feel like I would have wished that I made different choices? Oh, oh, I thought I lost you. You froze. <laughs> okay, you said made different choices was the last thing I heard. Go on. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had, like, I wish I had an, an easy answer there. And it's, I don't. And I, uh, you know, Listen. I talked to a friend of mine who was like, there's our values and there's our emotional, you know, thing. And, and they both matter. And so I'm like not... Yeah, I'm not sure how the conversation like would feel different, you know. Like yeah. just to be super honest, like if um, if I were to test positive or if I were to have symptoms. Okay. And that's what I want here. Like, I want the realness. Like, I don't want you to try and, you know, sound good for my sake or any of the listeners' sake. I want you to be honest. And these are real things. People navigate these emotions. I know whenever I disclose to someone, like, I expect for them to have their feelings. I've disclosed to someone and we've had sex. And then later she's been like, I don't want herpes. And that's okay. Like, I have to respect that. And it's, you know, like, in the moment, there are feelings that are associated with it, but I tell everyone, you know, there's two people on the sides of those conversations. You are welcome to have whatever reaction that you are going to have within yourself. And I am too. Like, we just don't need to be assholes to one another about it. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, fuck you, then, you bitch. You don't want to have sex with me because I got herpes. Ah, you probably already got it. Like, I wouldn't respond like that. And I don't expect for you to be like, ew, you got herpes. Like, how dare you? You probably got it from some slut you had sex with in the back of a dumpster. Whatever stick. <laughs> Stigmatization or stigmatizing uh-huh. statements come with that. Um, I know that I have one more question for sure. I don't know where this is going to take us, but we're at the 46 minute mark and this cuts off. It's a hard cut off at an hour. Like I'm not paying for the, <laughs> I'm not paying for the extended version, but it's good to have these at an hour anyway. Uh, I would like to know, um, damn. Of course, I forget what my question was. <laughs> I think I like, I think what I do want to say about as I'm thinking about what we were talking about before, you know, I think the learning that I have done is that, you know, I made that choice to not use condoms with that partner, which made sense to me at the time. And I, I don't regret it, but I think future, like looking forward, I probably would not make that choice again. I would like, want to use you know barriers unless it was like a lifelong or you know unless I was like okay I'm gonna be with this person for you know I'm imagining a really long future with this person and then maybe that would shift thank you you just refreshed my mind on what I wanted to ask you so I guess your desire for long-term or short-term 
did that come into play when deciding whether or not to move forward with this person? Like, were you looking at, oh, you know, I can see myself being with this person for a while. So, yeah, I'm okay with the risk. Or was there a uh, or was there even anything about that, like that played in your mind, short term, long term? Did that even matter? Or was it just about being with this person because you like this person? person I like this person and I just you know I want to I want to just really enjoy this great relationship um but I will say and this is like such a funny thing to think about relationships is that you know after you know a period of time like I was kind of like okay yeah this person is like really awesome and great I still think that he's really awesome and great um still someone I care about a lot um you already got to say that because you might listen to this (laughs) <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um, um but that like this is not maybe this isn't a relationship that i want to be in forever like you know i just like started we kind of just we're not connecting in the ways that i wanted to connect and i was kind of like mm, this isn't feeling right but you know it's like the way that that manifested to me was like in my brain like it was like a little judgy, a little picky, like, you know, like, like part of me was like, mm, I'm not sure. And you know, that happened about a lot of things, but it did, it changed the way that I just emotionally felt about that risk. It just like, didn't feel, I just didn't feel as solid about that as our relationship kind of like changed. Does that make sense? That does. Yeah. So Repeating back what I heard from you is that in the beginning, it was just like exciting. It was cool. It was um, and it had potential. And now you've gotten to the point where you see where that potential is. It's healthy, but it's not exactly what it is that you want. So it's kind of like this. I want this versus I want this with you. I think those are two different things. Like, here's what I want out of life overall, big picture. And then here I am being present right now. And here's what I want from you based on A, what I think you're capable of, or B, what you've shared with me and where our compatibilities lie. Is that kind of in the ballpark? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Damn, I can't believe I dissected that so well. (laughs) Um, My last question for you is... On this podcast, a regular theme and statement that's made, and I try to ask all my guests this, but I'm curious to know what you think of the statement, sexual health is mental health. Hmm. I mean, they're hugely interconnected. I feel that way too. And whenever I'm explaining it to people, I'm like, sexual health is mental health is like the attention grabber. But then I'm like, yeah, they're interconnected because, and then I speak to a lot of the challenges that people face around their sexuality as it affects their communication skills with other people. And people who listen to this podcast hear and have heard that so much about at this point. Uh, Laura, I want to thank you for just your allyship. Like, I think that 
Um, your experience is going to help other people be able, at the very least, become allies. Um, my hope is that people who plan to disclose to someone are willing to share this as a resource. Like, of course, it'd be great to have a cure for herpes. It'd be great to have a vaccine for people who don't have herpes so that we can eliminate the risk of potentially passing it on to them. Um, but the reality is, like, I don't know how far we are from that. When I first started this podcast, there was always a cure on the way or we're working towards a cure. We're doing research. I'm on my ninth year having this shit and uh, <laughs> there is not a cure. I'm still seeing the same messages. I'm still hearing the same things, but we may not have a cure, but we have communication. And that's what I feel is important for us to be able to exchange dialogue, share these experiences that we have on either side of the spectrum, whether it be awareness of a positive status or unawareness of a status in general. So, yeah, I like that this series of podcasts is going to go in depth with people who have dated someone with herpes. And yeah, while this is the first one, I hope to have like my own perspective expanded as I go into a couple of other interviews and uh, be able to just get something out of this that can support people in feeling more confident in disclosing their status, because I think that stigma ends where allyship starts. So the more Laura's we get out there in the world who are willing to welcome and receive our disclosures and be able to step up and do something like this, like we get more people who can combat your Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel, whichever one it is. I think it's Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel's herpes jokes. I feel like he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to be due for one of those real soon. <laughs> so um, I hope that a lot of people who don't have herpes are willing to step up and be like, hey, man, that's not cool. I know somebody with herpes, dot, dot, dot. So thank you. Yeah, you are so welcome. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for your work. And, you know, what I think what I want to say about that is like, you know, if, if I could just like communicate one thing to um, people who have herpes and even the people, particularly maybe people who don't, like the world on the other side is so much better. Like, you know, uh, getting to feel liberated and honest and like in control of your experience it's like so much better than like being afraid and being isolated about it you know regardless of what your status is so I just like really hope that like you know again like yeah the 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 self-expression the self-responsibility the orgasms that I have gotten to have you know by like <laughs> not um being like letting this like you know a stigma or like these really sex negative ideas that we have like rule my life is like super worth it so i hope that people feel like supported enough to like be brave to show up for that solidarity for that allyship and i really appreciate all of your work done and like cultivating this um, beautiful community around that thank you so much i very much appreciate it all right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please follow me on Instagram at H on my chest. You can subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash SPFPP. If you're out of the United States and you want to donate to support our efforts in continuing to connect people who are navigating herpes stigma to the resources that are available and mental health resources, community support groups, then paypal.com slash SPFPP is the way to go. And if you're in the States, Courtney Brain, Venmo, Cash App, 
<laughs> and there are no special characters or spaces in between that. Don't be fooled out here now. It's just Courtney Brame, all one word, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-B-R-A-M-E. And please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast and share this with people. Like get people to understand that there are people out there who are willing to date us. I know a lot of people in support groups who only date people who have herpes. And I want people to, if that's going to be their decision, let that be their choice. But I don't want them to make that their choice because they feel like they have no other choice. So in sharing this podcast series, I hope that people are able to take this in and enhance their own perspective and see, hey, there are people who look at us beyond our herpes status. There are people who um, are looking for compatible partners and the compatibilities often outweigh whatever it is that comes with the stigma of herpes and the potential of passing it on to a partner. So yeah, don't deprive us of your sexiness, please. Say that again. Say that again. Ah, I like that. Put yourself out there. Yeah. All right. Till next time. Stay sex positive.